Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hey, it is so great to be with you today on this Palm Sunday and uh, you know, I, I really miss being together with everybody being together, uh, but I'm so glad that we have this medium of online so that we can continue to be together here online and, uh, and continue to worship together this way. Let me just say this, at the end of the message today, I'm going to walk us through a time of communion, and, uh, and so uh, if you haven't done so yet, go ahead and make sure that you grab the, the bread that you have, go ahead and grab the juice that you have, if you picked up one of these cups outside the office, go ahead and do that because we're going to be doing that at the end of the message. You know, it, 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 our world today is very different. Uh, with everything happening with COVID-19, uh, it's no, uh, it, it, no strange thing that, uh, that things have just been very, very different and uh, many challenges have been prevent, presented. And I really felt like the Lord has put on my heart today to share a message of hope. Uh, that there is hope. There is hope. In fact, throughout our Easter messages, both today Good Friday and also Easter, uh, next Easter Sunday. Uh, I can't believe it. Next week is Easter Sunday. We're going to be celebrating and we're going to be focusing on a message. There is hope. You know, there's a lot of health concerns, economic concerns, concerns for loved ones, concerns uh, financially, concerns about the future. And, uh, you know, these are, these are things that, that sometimes can get to us. But hope is powerful. Let me give you a little definition of hope. Hope is feeling of expectation. It's a desire for certain things to happen. That's what hope is. It, it is a desire for certain things to happen. When someone hopes, it impacts their ability to persevere even through the hardest of times. You know, a number of years ago, researchers were talking about hope and they decided to do a little experiment. They had two different groups of rats. I know they, this might sound a little bit harsh, uh, but they put these rats in water and made them swim. The first group of rats, they just left in there and they left a little swim and swim and swim and swim and swim. And after about an hour, the rats drowned. The second set of rats they had in the water that every so often they would scoop in and they would lift the little rats out and they would give them a little bit of a break and then they'd put them back in. And what was interesting is, is that the second group of rats were able to go for 24 hours before they drowned. They concluded that the difference was that the first group of rats did not have any hope of rescue. But the second group of rats would continue to, to press on and continue to swim and move their little feet because they kept hoping and believing that there would be a rescuer who would come and who would take them out uh, of the water and out of the, the challenge or the tribulation that they were in. That's the power of hope. That's the power of hope. You know, another illustration, a story that I heard was a young boy. He had been caught in a house fire and he was in the hospital, badly burned and, uh, and, and had been dying. Uh, and then the, the school in their particular city had a program. They would have a teacher who would go into the hospital, meet with his teacher to catch him up on work and then go into the hospital to be able to meet with students who were sick so that they didn't get behind in their work. 
people. They asked one particular uh, teacher if she would go in and, and she would teach this boy. So she decided that she would meet with the homeroom teacher and say, well, what do you want me to teach? And she said, well, in English, we're, we're working on nouns and adverbs. So maybe you can go and teach nouns and adverbs. So she went to the hospital, but she hadn't been told just how badly the boy had been burned. And, uh, and at the sight of the boy, she stammered a little bit and she said, hey, I've been, I've been sent by your school here to help you uh, to learn verbs and nouns and adverbs. And so when she left after teaching him, she didn't feel as if she'd accomplished much. Uh, but the next day, one of the nurses asked her, what did you do to that boy? And she thought, oh no, what happened? Did I, did I do something wrong? Did I discourage him? And she said, oh, no, no, no. It's, uh, I, you don't need to apologize. What I mean is, is, is we've been worried about that little boy, but something happened yesterday. Since yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back. He's responding to treatment and, and he's decided to live. Two weeks later, they talked to the boy about it, and he explained this, that when the teacher arrived, he saw hope. In, in his words, he expressed it this way, they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and verbs if they didn't feel like he had an opportunity to live. You see, there is something powerful about hope. There's something powerful about hope. And so today I know that sometimes we might be struggling with hope. You might be struggling with hope. But I want to encourage you today that in the midst of the financial pressures, in the midst of a, a changing world, in the midst of the health concerns, there is hope. And hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. You know, similarly to the time that we're living in, the time that the Jesus was walking the earth, uh, the Jews were under a lot of oppression. You see, they didn't have a nation of their own. They lived under the province of Rome and there was Roman occupation. In fact, when you read through the gospels, oftentimes you will hear about Roman centurions or Roman soldiers. You see, they were there to keep the peace. They were there to keep the security and they were there to keep things locked down. The people didn't have much of a freedom and they didn't have much hope. Many people were struggling economically and, uh, and so there was, there was great concern. But leading up to the Passover, Jesus was performing miracles. All of a sudden, there was this guy, Jesus, where did he come from? Who is he? At one point, he fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and, 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 and a few small pieces of fish. And they were like, whoa, this guy can meet our needs economically. This guy, and they were ready to make him king. That's what John chapter 6 and verse 15 says. And then just a few weeks before the parade we're going to talk about today that we celebrate here on Palm Sunday where they laid down palm branches and said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There were some things that happened. You might recall in John chapter 11, there was a pretty big miracle. A friend by the name of Jesus, whose name was Lazarus, was very sick. And he had been dead four days and, and, and he was raised from the dead. In fact, John eleven forty five 45 tells us, therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did and believed in him. Well, in John chapter 12, Jesus returns to Bethany, that hometown of Lazarus, just six days before the Passover celebration. Jews from around the nation were gathering and making their way to Jerusalem to celebrate this wonderful feast, the Feast of Passover. The crowds at this time were greater than they were at any other time of the year due to this feast. Well, while in Bethany, 
Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus, are throwing Jesus a party. And uh, it's kind of a thank you dinner party. And what's interesting is, is if you read the parallel passages of this in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 6 and Mark 14 and verse 3, you'll find that this party wasn't thrown at the home of Mary and Martha wasn't thrown at the home of Lazarus. It was actually thrown at the home of a guy by the name of Simon the leper. Now, it's interesting to note that Simon the leper couldn't still have leprosy and gather people at his house. It's kind of like if you have COVID-19, if you have the coronavirus, nobody's gathering at your house for a dinner party. So what this tells us is, is that Simon the leper was healed. And many people believe that Jesus is the one that healed him. And so this thank you dinner party was not only about Lazarus being raised from the dead, but it was also about a leper who had had a disease that was supposed to end in death that had been healed by Jesus. You see, Jesus represented hope. Jesus represented hope to an entire crowd of people. And so as this party is going on and as Jesus' popularity is growing, we see a sense of hope. John chapter 12 and verse 9 tells us this. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there uh, and came. Not only because of him, but they also came to see Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but if you know a dead man that has been raised from the, from, from, to life, I, I believe that's going to draw a crowd too. You see, Jesus represented hope. Lazarus represented hope. And I want to tell you that, that today there is hope. What do we see? As Jesus begins to make his way into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, the crowds began to swell. And we see in John 12, starting in verse 12, that the next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. You see, the crowds were filled with an expectation of hope. The oppression they were under, the economic hardship, the fear, and everything else was building. But to them, Jesus represented hope. I want to tell you a little something about the Greek word Hosanna. It comes from a Hebrew phrase called Hoshinina. Hoshnia. And, and, and it's only found in one place. It's found in a psalm of the Hallel, found in Psalm 118.25. And in that psalm, it says, save please, save please. It was a cry for help. Like when you're at the pool and somebody pushes you off the diving board and you're not ready, you don't know how to swim, and you're in the water going, help, somebody help me, please help. That's what it means. Well, that Greek word, Hosanna, comes from that Hebrew word, but something of that phrase, Hoshnia, meaning changed over the years. You see, in the psalm, it was immediately followed by the phrase, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And what happens is the cry for help is suddenly changed from, oh, help, save me, to, uh, to mean salvation has come. There was a change that had been made from please help save to hope salvation has come. You see, that's what you would say if you had been pushed over the diving board and you were in the water and all of a sudden you see the lifeguard coming. It changes from please save me to oh, salvation has come. Salvation has come. You see, that's what Hosanna means. Hooray for salvation. It's coming and it's here. And the crowds of people had seen Jesus as that lifeguard had seen Jesus as that Old Testament prophesied one who was going to deliver them who is going to restore the prominence of Israel 
over and over again in Israel's history when they had disobeyed God and they had worshipped other idols. Nations had come in and taken them captive. But just like in the days of the judges or just like in the days of some of the kings, God would raise up a king or a judge and he would be the one that would bring deliverance and restore Israel back to its prominence. And that's what they thought. They looked at Jesus and said, he's going to restore the kingdom to us. He's going to give us victory. But Jesus comes to bring a different kind of peace. The peace that he came was to bring a peace with God. The victory that he came to give was not simply a victory over economic problems or a victory over physical enemies, but it was a victory over the spiritual enemy of sin and death. Jesus didn't come to save But he did come to save, but not from external circumstances or pressures of a broken world. Rather, he came to bring salvation and hope to a broken soul. The events that follow lead us to Good Friday, and the the cross seemed to shake the hope of some of those followers. They came with expectations of that parade, Jesus' closest followers, and everything they expected was being challenged. All of a sudden, Jesus was speaking of dying. He was talked about uh, someone that would, of his own that would betray him. He talked about leaving. With all that was going on, his, his disciples were greatly disturbed and they were troubled. At this point in the story, Judas had left. Peter was told he would deny Jesus and Jesus was letting them know that he wasn't going to be around much longer. The future that they had pictured The expectation that they had had, everything that they had left to follow Jesus and all that they had thought it would be, they found crumbling before them. You know, that is sometimes what happens in hope when our expectations are not met. Sometimes we can get discouraged and sometimes it can lead us to have a troubled heart. Perhaps today, the picture that you had of your life during this time might be a little bit different. You thought for sure your career was on an upward path. Your 401k was going very well. You were headed for a good retirement. The economy had had kind of shifted and been booming again. And look, man, there is hope. Things are going to be different. Maybe you're a senior in high school or a senior in college looking towards graduation. And all of a sudden, everything has been shaken. Your prom has been shifted. Graduation is up in the air. And it's like, what is happening? How? What? This is not the way that I thought it was going to be. For some of you, you have plans to get married and now the way that your wedding looks has shifted and it's like, boy, the wedding of my dreams, I don't know how that's going to be. For others, you're experiencing grief and loss because some loved ones have passed away. A troubled heart, disturbed and troubled, but today Jesus gave his disciples a prescription for a troubled heart. There is hope for a troubled heart. And today I want to talk to you about that hope. I want us to flip over just a couple of chapters from John 12 where we're at to John chapter 14. And it's here that we see in John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. The New Century Version says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust in me. You see, instead of believe, the New Century Version uses trust. And what Jesus is saying is, you have believed in God, you've trusted in God, now trust in me. Now, I want to share with you this prescription of hope. You see, Jesus calls us to trust his presence, to trust his presence. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. You have to understand that in a Jewish context, they believed in God. Faith in God was just something that they automatically believed in. This was not something you had to convince them of. 
Deuteronomy 31.6 tells us what they believed about God. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never fail you or forsake you. Such faith in an omnipresent Jehovah was a basic tenet of the Jewish faith. Although they had never seen the very form of God, they believed implicitly that God was with them. History of his proof of his eternal care and protection, they they believed in that. Although he was an invisible God, they believed that he was also with them. And now Jesus was saying, just as you believed in God, believe also in me that even though I might not physically be present with you, that I will be with you always. You can trust my presence. We know that Philip questioned this later on in John 14, 8. He said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. What Philip is declaring is we have believed in God. He's been the one that has been guiding us. And if you just show us God, that's going to be enough for us. He wasn't making the connection that Jesus Christ was fully God. He wasn't making that connection. And Jesus says to him in response in John 14, 9 and 10, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father who is living in me who is doing the work. You see, Jesus wants Philip to understand that that all he's been witnessing and the power that he's been witnessing is the power of God through him. All he has heard Jesus say have been a reflection of the Father through Jesus Christ. Jesus was reflecting the Father. He's saying, my presence has been with you physically. I have shown you the Father. As you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And if you believe this about the Father, then you know that even if I go and I am not physically with you, you can trust that my presence will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, in fact, later on in this very chapter and a couple even after that, Jesus emphasizes the importance of him going because the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is the one who is going to come. Who would not, even though Jesus wouldn't be physically with them, spiritually he would be with them as the Holy Spirit would come and live in them. The Holy Spirit lives in us as believers. It's God's presence, his very presence inside of us and with us always. You know, I think that sometimes John 14, 1 has been misapplied. You know, I, and I do believe it connects to salvation, but I don't believe that it was all about salvation. In fact, as we take a look at that, there's a linear verb here. And I believe what Jesus was saying to them is, you know what, keep on trusting me. As you have been trusting me and trusting in God from the beginning, even though I'm not visible, keep on trusting me. His visible presence was not nearly as significant of an understanding as his spiritual presence. He was laboring on their behalf, even though they couldn't see him. And that's a theme that colored everything that Jesus taught them. I mean, think about it. Matthew 18, 20, the great commission where, or Matthew 18, 20 about prayer, where two or three have gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. Matthew 28, 20, the great commission. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never desert you. I will never forsake you. Let me tell you a little story. You might remember this. It's a popular story. The Barcelona Olympics in 1992, one of track and field's most incredible moments. 
Britain's Derek Redmond had dreamed of a, a life of winning a gold medal at the 400 meter race. It was his dream and his dream was in sight as he was rounding the last turn and he could see the finish line in place. All of a sudden there was a sharp pain that grabbed him and in the back of his leg and, and began to shoot up for he had torn his hamstring and he fell over and, and fell right down on the track. Well, almost an animal instinct, he got up, and, and, and you can see the video of this, if you, if you YouTube it, you can see the video, he's hobbling, and he's, he's hopping around, trying to get to the finish line, but stumbling. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a guy in a t-shirt, a big, a big guy in a t-shirt, comes out of the sands and pushes a security guard out, uh, and, and begins to run over to him and talk to him, it's his, it's his father. Jim Redman. And he told his son, weeping, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. But Derek said, I'm going to, I want to finish this. And so his dad said to him, well, then we're going to finish this together. Fighting off security, the son heard, uh, had buried into his father's shoulder. Uh, they began to stay in Derek's lane and together they crossed the finish line. It was an incredible memory and there was weeping even in the stands and it's a very emotional type moment. But let me tell you something, friends, that's what God does for us. That's what God does for us. That's what he did through Jesus Christ. He came down out of the stands of heaven. He came down to where we are and he comes down to help us so that we too can cross the finish line. He comes down in the midst of our pain and he says, my presence is with you and my presence will help you cross the finish line. A second prescription that Jesus gives for a troubled heart is to trust his promises. We've been in that series, the promises of God. And let me tell you something, they're wonderful promises. Jesus tells them this in verse two of John 14, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. Friends, isn't it great that Jesus encouraged his disciples that he wasn't just leaving and saying, so long, farewell, Avita, say goodbye. I don't even know if I said that right. But anyway, you get the picture. He wasn't just saying, hey, so long, I'm done. You're off on your own. He's saying, no, 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 I'm going with purpose. And my purpose is... This is not your home. As Pastor James preached last week, such a great message uh, about exile. And this is not our home that Jesus says, oh, I've got a home prepared for you. I've got a place. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, and I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be with me uh, where, where I am. I, I don't know about you, but one of the, the greatest things that, that, that I think that Jesus calls the name is, is, is not heaven, but it's my father's house. Now, when I was away at, at college or when I went away to camp, I loved it. I enjoyed it. But there was nothing like coming home. There was nothing like the comfort of home where you need a snack. You don't have to ask. You just go in the cupboard and you grab a snack. You go in the refrigerator and you just open up the refrigerator and you feel comfortable. You just plop yourself down wherever you're at in your favorite chair and put your feet up and, and, uh, and you just enjoy conversation and you enjoy family and you enjoy that time together. There is nothing like it. Let me tell you something. When he says, I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to my father's house. What he's telling us is that's not going to be an uncomfortable place. Heaven's not going to be an uncomfortable place because we're not going to be a guest. We're going to be family. It's going to feel more like 
like home than here. You see, here we've got the problems. We've got the coronavirus. We've got the financial problems. We've got the pressures. We've got the stresses. We've got all of that. But Jesus says, this is not all there is. Trust in my promises because I'm going to prepare a place for you and I will bring you to where I am. Man, that is hope, friends. That is hope. The prescription of hope is in Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm going there to take you where I am. If it were not so, I would have told you. Listen, we can trust our troubled hearts to Jesus. He assures us that this world's troubles are temporary. He's preparing an eternal place for us with him. He's preparing that for us. Thirdly, let me tell you the third prescription. It's to trust in his person. The disciples were completely confused when Jesus was speaking of departure. And then he, he adds this question. He says, you know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. I, I, up to this point, they were kind of trying to follow him. And at this point, they're kind of like, uh, no. And Thomas kind of, he, he, you know Thomas, he's the guy, the doubter. You know, he's the guy that kind of says the realist. He's kind of saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You, you say you know, what we, how, how do we know where you're going? We, we don't know the way. Lord, how are we going to know the way? How are we going to know the way? Well, our knowledge, for us, our knowledge stops at death. We, we don't know the way. We don't know what you're talking about. We don't have a knowledge. We don't have an understanding. How are we going to know? You know, that was a good question, but Jesus' response is profound. In fact, in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, he says, you don't need to know how to get there because I'm going to come and get you. I'm going to come and get you. You know, in our day of GPS and smartphones and those kind of things, we don't often have to stop and ask for directions. But I remember back when we didn't have these things and I would drive into a place and I couldn't find where I was going. So I'd stop at a gas station or I'd see somebody walking along the road who I thought lived somewhere. And I'd say, hey, do you know how to get some, you know how to get, this is where I'm trying to go. Do you know how to get there? And, and, and if you're anything like me, the person there, they know where they're going. They know all the different road markers. And so the, you'd, they'd roll down there, you'd roll down your window and they'd say, all right, you just turn left out of here and you got to go down about three or four lights or, or, or roads and you're going to come to this traffic light here. You're going to turn left and then you're going to go down a little bit and there's going to be a big tree or something and you turn right. Before you know it, you're lost. You're like, what in the world? You know, that, that's a nice way to get directions, but that's not the best way. The best way when somebody says, you know what, I'm going about that way. Why don't you follow me and I'll take you there. I'll show you the way. See, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's not just saying, hey, hey, here's all these different directions. He says, no, no, no. I'm going to come and take you there. I'm going to guide you there. You can trust my person. You can trust me because I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. You know, friends, there's confusing times, a lot of confusing times, and we need wisdom. But Jesus invites us to trust him, to trust his person, to trust his presence, to trust his promises, and to know that he is going to lead us in the way. He's going to lead us in the way that we need to go, and we can trust him. So today, friends, if your heart is troubled, if your heart is filled with anxiety and all that is happening, let me encourage you that there is hope and there is peace today. There is hope and there is peace. I want to invite you today to trust in Jesus. I want to invite you today to trust his presence. 
that, that he is with you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's with you and his Holy Spirit lives in you. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you that Jesus wants to give you peace, that there is hope in Jesus today. And I want to encourage you to find that hope in Jesus today. And in a little bit, we're going to pray and I want to ask you to invite him into your life today that he can be your hope. You can trust his promises. Friends, all that we have in this world, don't get so caught up. It's not all there is. Jesus has a a future that is planned for us. Jesus has a hope, but we've got to get our lives right. We've got to make peace with God because he didn't come to save us just from our external problems. He came to save us from our sin. He just didn't come to give us peace externally. He gave, gave us peace within, and that is peace with God. As we close today, I want to invite you to join with me in a time of communion. I want to invite you to join with me today. So if you have your, your, your bread, whatever that looks like for you today, uh, or if you have your cup, go ahead and take that now. And we're going to begin in this time of communion. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we invite you to join with us. This is about the body of Christ. It's not about a particular church. And so I'm going to walk us through this time together uh, as we do it. So as you're prepared today, let's just read right here where the Apostle Paul talks about it. I want you to take the element of communion in your hand. Let's take the bread together and let's read the words of the Apostle Paul today. For I received from the Lord that which also I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus Christ in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, what's amazing about this hope is that one of the things that is driving us today into having to separate and social distance is because of healing. There are people that need healing today. There is a virus that is out there and needing healing, but you know that Jesus in his word says that by his stripes, we are healed. Today, the bread represents the broken body of Jesus Christ, and it represents the healing and the hope that we have in our own brokenness. As we pray today, and before we receive this, I'm going to pray. And if you are in need of healing today, healing maybe emotionally, maybe physically, maybe spiritually today, I want to invite you today to ask Jesus right now. Ask him for healing today. And I'm going to believe that wherever you are at, wherever you're at in your home, in your living room, in your kitchen, wherever you're watching this live stream service today, that Jesus is going to bring a touch of healing to you today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your broken body. We thank you, Lord, for this bread that represents your broken body. We pray for healing, healing in our world today, healing from this coronavirus today. We pray healing, Lord, for those that are battling. Some are battling and needing healing from the pain of loneliness, maybe the pain of loss. Some are needing the pain of a broken relationship healed. Father, we just pray today for healing. Some are needing a healing physically. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak healing today. And we thank you, Lord, for your healing touch. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's receive this together today. Come on, just thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for healing. Thank you, Jesus, for healing. As we read on, we see that the Apostle Paul said, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The cup represents the 
blood of Jesus Christ that had been poured out for you and I. Jesus Christ was the substitute for the death that we deserve for our sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Why? Because of his shed blood. Because his shed blood, his blood atoned for our sin debt. Today, maybe you need to have forgiveness of your sin. Maybe you've been battling guilt and shame. Maybe you have struggled in your own life because of sin. And today you need peace with God. You see, Jesus came to bring peace and he came to bring salvation. And that hope came at the cost of his life in his blood. Today, as we reflect in communion today and in the cup today, if you need salvation, I want to invite you to ask Jesus into your life and to forgive you of your sin. If you're today, if you need forgiveness today, I want to ask you to confess your sin to Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive you today. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we ask you to forgive us today. Thank you for giving your life in our place. Forgive us, Lord, of our sin. Cleanse us, Father, from our guilt. Forgive us, Father, and cleanse us from our shame that we might walk in the freedom of being children of God. Father, we ask you today to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you today for your shed blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on right now. In your living room right now, wherever you're at, your kitchen table, right now, wherever you're at watching this live stream, let's give glory to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank Him right where you are today. Thank you, Jesus, for the healing of brokenness. Thank you, Jesus, for your shed blood and forgiveness of sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you died in our place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There's a final verse in this communion there's a final verse that Paul says and it's where the hope is at it's what we've been talking about verse 26 says that whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes look at that until he comes that's a promise friends Jesus is coming again friends we are living in the last days this is last days stuff here but there is hope you see as we give our lives to Christ the forgiveness of sin that we have. It's that promise that Jesus gave his disciples in the midst of their troubled hearts. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm going to come back and get you. And friends, we do this to remember that he is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Friends, let me encourage you that if you prayed that prayer today, if you received salvation today, we want to hear from you. Maybe here on social media, just leave a, a message in the comments or direct message us if it's through Facebook and let us know. We'd love to be able to get some information in your hands. Maybe in the comments there on YouTube if you feel comfortable. If not, you can email us at info at PainesvilleAG.com. If you downloaded our app there in the Connect section, there's a decision card. You can fill that out. We want to get some information into your hands. We want to connect with you. We want to thank you and we want to encourage you in this step that you've taken in your faith. If you've, given, if you've recommitted your life to Christ, let us know. If God does a miracle in your life, let us know. We want to hear those testimonies of all that God has done. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's Word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.